I'm Tony Epstein, and this is the Magical Mystery Tour. Join us as we dive into the heart of things, exploring new ideas and new ways of seeing and being in this wondrous, crazy world we share together. This is a journey into sound. Brought to you in living color. Today, I've got a special guest in the studio with me. An old GDR programmer, too. I'm not that old. Not that old. <laughs> Only 52. In dog years, that's... It's pretty old. Yeah, I guess. So, Great way to start the day, Tony. Thanks. John Ryan? Or John, 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 JD. JD. People, yeah, JD. I, I don't know how... You know, I was thinking about that the other day. Why do I... I was back from my blogging days, and I think it was just literally out of laziness because I didn't feel like writing the name John. I like JD. It's stuck. It's stuck. I, I don't know. I still think of like some guy in, a, in, a, in a, an executive suite somewhere, like big cigar. Hey, JD, come on in here. Let's talk. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so here, here be me. Glad to be here again. And you're you're a local. I am local. I am right up the road. Right up the road. Well, it took me I don't know five minutes to get here. I live up on Maple Hill. So what are the roads like up there? Uh. Surprisingly, not that bad. We we actually kind of lucked out. Um, there's one little bridge that goes up. Uh, what is it? Um, the one that goes up Holt Road and goes over Nasmith Brook. I went down and looked at that the night that it was going on. The water was over. It was pretty scary. Uh, and it's still open, but it's it's you want to you have a nice little line goes across the bridge. Laird Pond Road is completely gone. Laird, you know, and it's just a big culvert and about a 50 foot gap. Um, you know, I I'm not going to complain. I feel incredibly lucky. Uh, Compared to what many people around us are dealing with. But, uh, how about you? Um, the mouth of my driveway got washed away, mm -hmm. and they're in the middle of repairing it right now. They're in the middle of repairing it right now, or they were before it got washed away? Um, they started yesterday. Oh, okay. Oh, good. And they're sitting at the mouth of my driveway. Nobody's there, but the uh -huh. machinery. Right. So I, I, I got away pretty easy compared to a lot of people too mm -hmm. and I hear that we're going to get some heavy thunderstorms this afternoon you know, you know so. that's what I was thinking today I'm not trying to make light of any of this but uh, I was thinking after 
Yeah, cause I went and helped out in Barry last week, and then down at Williamstown. Um, I wonder if this uh, for the I, I wonder if this rain when we get this intense crazy rain if it's actually going to trigger some people now. You're like a P- I don't want to make light of PTSD, but I thought about a couple times. I've thought about that. I thought, wow, if I just lost my house and I heard another thunderstorm or saw another torrential downpour, I don't even. I'd probably just start getting. Even if I wasn't in any danger, I think I would just. I'd probably start losing it. I. Th- I think so. I've sort of had that. A bit of that response when I see the weather, the heavy thunderstorms. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking. I have to watch my mouth here, you know, not use the S word or yeah, the yeah, F yeah. word. Uh. Hey, the way things are going with the coarseness and dialogue, if you're following, I think we'll be able to say all those things on the air pretty soon anyway. <laughs> there I mean, won't, there, won't, there won't be anybody listening. I mean, there won't be any power. Well, I mean, you got Marjorie Taylor Greene on, uh, in Congress the other day, <laughs> you know, showing basically porn pics of Hunter <laughs> Biden. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the coarseness of our society continues. But that's not why I'm here, Antonio. No, that's I'm true. To, I'm here to talk about good things. Yes. And you, one of those good things is you have a new album. I sure do. Because you're a musician. I, I, well, I, at least I play one on television. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Thorny, that's the moniker I'm going under. Uh, most, uh, uh, no, mostly Grey's the first album, dork. Uh, See No Sky, and you're listening to a backing track. Right, the background track you're hearing right now is uh, For The Now, it's called. Um, I'm kind of really excited about it. My mindset around this album is completely completely different than the uh, the scared the scared insecure boy you heard last time on the uh, on the interview there I feel a little more confident about things now and just a lot of hurdles have been overcome but uh, yeah, I'm really happy about it. It's, it's, it seems to be I, it was did you read did you read the review in seven days I last did. week that was an that, interesting that, review I Hats off to Chris Farnsworth because he knows. I mean, he knows the genre. Because you know, I think a lot of times when you put this kind of music in, and you submit it to a place, and if you know, if the um, you know if the reviewers mostly know the more conventional musics, they just oh, this new age album was great. I put on some incense and did some yoga and da da da. And uh, he 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 definitely knew the genre. I mean, he, he yeah. I was I was I was stunned. I'm, I was reading. I'm thinking this guy is writing he's talking like he was in the studio I, with I, you and that I, he knew i know he knew all know. the equipment he knew was, how everything works he was mentioning like how little thing because one of my signature trademarks to the extent that i have one is i like you know because i think just typical drone i don't really call what i do drone music but i think a lot of drone music doesn't have much variation to it right and i think what i like doing is and i this is part of my fun the fun part of the creative process is like spring little things in and out did I hear that? Oh, wait, it's gone. Oh, did I hear it again? I mean, this song right here, what do we listen to? This is, uh... I can't remember the name of my own music. Is this, uh... This is... Oh, are we still This on? is for now. We're still on the first song. See, no, shows we're, you how... we're on the second song. Oh, we're on the second song, but this is for the now? Yeah. I don't even know my it, own songs anymore. It's just started. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I, I, the intro music. All right. But yeah, and you can hear it. I mean, just in what you hear in the background right here, you can just... Hey, you're the creator of the music. You don't have to keep track of what it is. Well, it's all this, it's this ambient stuff. It all sounds alike, you know? Uh, no, but um, I do have a hard time. Some, I, I've finally gotten to the point where I could hear what, some of the, any of the songs from my first album and actually know what song I'm listening to. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, this one, this one, uh, I like this one. I like this one, just those little things that come in and out. It's still all about the fog with me and the, the grayness and, you know, um, just having it just sort of be in your periphery sometimes and not, you know, focusing on the music. 
But um, interesting thing, because I like throwing random things at you and see how you, because of your <laughs> cosmic consciousness view here, is song titles. Yeah. When I think of song titles, generally half the time I'm just looking around the room, you know, and I'll have a working title for something in general, be like, uh, you know, coffee cup or something stupid like that. But then something usually sticks, or sometimes I'll be, whatever, cleaning my house or doing something, and just I hear a phrase in my head. So I write it down, and then I, I'll oh, save this for the song title pool. And uh, what's interesting about this, and this is what I'm curious about, is you know, as the last time on the interview, we, we talked about, you know, I have this sort of materialistic view of the universe, things like that. But I think it's always funny how I, I somehow find the meaning of the song after I create the song title for it, long after I've created the music. Like, the album's called Sino Sky. And at first I thought, well, wow, that sounds really dark, you know. But I, I just like the way... I, I, it was probably a cloudy day like this or something like that, and I just I was like, wow, I can't see, I, I see no sky today. And I was like, oh, that, I see no sky, I'm going to write that down. And afterwards I thought, well, I still don't, I don't want to be in the dark ambient genre. I don't like the dark. But then I thought after we'll see no sky. What's what's another way to somebody's gonna ask you what that means? I'm like, oh boy, what does that mean? I thought see no sky, what you know, I think first I think somebody in a dungeon, somebody in prison, you know, something dark like that. But then I thought, no, wait a minute. If if you're sometimes you know, so intent on looking inward, you know, you're 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 looking down and you're just you, you don't see the sky because you're not looking. It sounds so silly, but it's funny how these songs come, these song titles, like all of a sudden, when I come up with the title, all of a sudden now I hear the song afterwards and it, I associate it with that meaning that came afterwards. That's kind of strange because usually when people write things, they have the meaning or whatever in their head as they're writing it. And it's kind of strange how that works for me. Well, it's really strange for me how you s keep saying how you're such a materialist kind of guy. But you're talking about your inner state of being right, and what's going on inside. And to me, those are mutually exclusive qualities. See, I don't see that. I see them as the same thing because, <laughs> well, well, my, well, well, my uh, last interview is still fresh in my head because I was listening to it this morning. And I, I had mentioned something about, yeah, I still see all that as just like, you know, whatever, electrochemical reactions or, you know, stimuli, da-da-da-da. So it... I don't see it as I don't I don't see the two as like I see them as the same thing. Well, they are. It's just that. All right. Well, we're done. I'll see you. That's good. It's no, just no. that you're you're using the term materialistic, and I don't identify. I with hate that, that word. I hate the word, but it's still because you know when people think materialistic. They think first thing I think is oh you like things. You like having things and money and money and and, and, and I should probably find a different word for yeah, it. Yeah, I, I think so. That's I think not, I know because you said that. I'm like wrong. oh god, people are gonna think I'm horrible. I think you're wrong. Well, what would be? Well, I mean, what's a? <laughs> How do you like that? I th well, that's fine. You think wait, my <laughs> no. belief is wrong, or just my my wording is terrible? I, I think, think the your wording. Is I think the term. Yeah, that you're you're mis you're misrepresenting yourself, okay. miscategorizing yourself. I I'm think. not some uber capitalist, I swear. But uh, <laughs> and I'm messing with you by saying no. I, I know I'm not. I'm, I'm offended. I'm leaving. That's it. Uh, no, no. I, 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 you know. I mean, but I still kind of see that as us. You know, it's. Oh, I can't use that word now. Material, but I kind of see the whole process of just you know actual things. But an inner state. Your your experience of an inner state. The way you. Is is immaterial. See, that's to me. That's the is it? big distinction between. See, the term spiritual and is also 
misused a lot. You talked about that misunderstood. Last night. Mm-hmm. And my favorite definitions of spiritual is just the unseen, the the unmeasurable. Like you, even even if you were a materialist and you're talking about your inner state, you can't measure your inner state. No, you're right. You're right. You're right in that. But I guess the material part of it comes from. And the whole thing, the, the, I mean, I, just as you think materialist is probably a lousy word for, I think spiritualism, in a sense, is a loaded term too. Because I, yeah, maybe I associate spiritualism, and I and with, there's a difference between spiritualism and spiritual. spiritual. Yeah. Okay. And I think what you're doing, school this atheist. I think I think what you're doing, and I feel, and I have the same kind of reaction. Is you're reacting against the the kind of modern cliched. Cliche, the wellness industry, new age right. version of right. spirituality. There's a lot of it. I mean, that's still there the, is a lot of it, right. and that's that's what gets that's what's in the mainstream, so mm-hmm. to speak. Right. The wellness industry is a lot of that. I, well, I believe. I. I think they're without getting too controversial I think, here. I think they're related, but again, there's overlaps mm-hmm. and separations. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes the the uh, financial side of it probably co-ops the the more traditional side of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's quiet. There's that last little bing, bing, bing at the end of the song. I left that in there. Mm-hmm. I almost took it out. So, um, oh, I wrote down a piece of paper. I just... Brought a piece of paper? I brought a piece of paper. And then cool. I, I, a piece of paper, a piece of material. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, let me see. So what did I write down here? I have to see, I have to see if I can... Oh, God. My, I, I, I'm like a pharmacist. Like, I, I write something afterwards, and I'm like... I go to the grocery store, and I don't, I don't come back with half the things... That I, I put on the list because I can't read them, you know. <laughs> farnicular sauce. What, the, you know? I don't know what that is. No, um, no. I just wrote down the thing. What did I write down? Song titles, the passcode for the door. Uh, I wrote down the initials for that weird avant-garde piece that I brought, and just more motion. I guess I was in case we talk about where does my music go next. But what I want, I guess, one thing that's different about this uh, album is um, there's a little more motion in it. It's not as that's not pointing at me. There we go. Emily, uh, oh, why? Why? Oh, God. Good thing that we're not, we're not being broadcast on a camera right now. Is that better? This whole thing is... is it's very wobbly. It's wrong. Oh. For those we're, of you who can't we're see having this... A, we're, I'm, or I'm having a wrestling match with, with the microphone arm, and I'm losing, unfortunately. You're losing. Is that better down there? Turn up. There we go. Let's try this. There we go. Yeah. Tonight on... All right, okay. There you go. Does that sound all right? Yeah, it sounds, okay, good. Good. sounds good. Um, well, what's interesting is in terms of... Let me let me talk for a second about... It's so weird just finding things to talk about myself here. It just feels so strange. Um, I guess what was different about this album versus the last one is... Because uh, that last album, I remember talking to an interview, was kind of a struggle. You know, just the confidence thing. Oh, God, is this good enough? And then, then you're like, is it good enough for who? You know, is it good enough for you? Is that really all it matters? Is it good enough for people who are versed in this music to know this sounds legit versus the uh, he held a he held a key down on a keyboard for a half hour went and got a cup of coffee came back and you know <laughs> stop because I, th- I i do think that's what a lot of this i think a lot of people really do that i mean in some ways it's <laughs> uh, no i do i do i do i mean i listen to the stuff sometimes you know i mean um you know because there's there's ambient and then there's drone and you know i think i sort of cross cross the line you know a random thought again I'm so conservative about language in only one way, and that's over the word ambient. 
You know, because you look at how people get, you know, get their knickers in a bunch about language and how language changes, and language always changes, you know. I mean, it wasn't that way when I was a kid. Yeah, well, nothing was the way it was when you were a kid, okay? The, the, the milkman doesn't deliver things in glass bottles anymore, and you don't get a big chunk of ice in your front door either. Um, but I've thought about the term ambient, and I still have this, cl- I, I, I have a hard time, I, I have this very conservative, traditional brain, you know, definition of that word, and I... I when I hear like, oh, ambient, I'll put something on and it's got like a loud beat. You know, it almost sounds like something I'd hear in a club. It drives me absolutely nuts. But I don't know, this is, that's just a random thing that just popped up in my head here. But what would you like to talk about, Tonio? Because you, you, <laughs> no, you're I probably... Think that's, I think that's a, that's a valid, valid uh, thing you just brought up. I don't think it is. Actually. I do, because I, I see the term ambient a lot. And I also, I'm like... I'm trying to, like, yes, I hear a lot of different things thrown into the ambient soup yeah. pot. Yeah. And I'm like, well, okay, let's see. That's what I have to do. I have to listen and right. see, well, what right. is it? Well, what I is mean, it? Because I mean, ambient doesn't mean anything anymore. I know. Because so many people Ambient techno. I mean, it. techno to me it. is the last thing on earth I think of. Well, I even think of ambient in the, in, the, in the sense of what that word generally means. Like, if you think about it in a non-musical text, I mean, like... If we're quiet here for a second, you know, I hear the air purifier. I hear maybe, you know, something going on out there. That, to me, is what the the word ambient sounds like. Exactly. You know, and Eno, the Eno-S definition of it was, you know, this music that you can ignore fits into your environment. And, you know, then I see, like, oh, ambient dub techno. I'm like, no. He's got four on the floor. What do you mean, ambient? <laughs> Come on. Yeah, ambient is about, is the environment that you're in. Right. And either you're... You immerse yourself in it, or you just sort of right. passively allow yourself to be affected by it. Right, but I don't want to be the gatekeeper. I mean, I always feel like right. if, I'm, if I'm taking that, I'm like, I'm, a, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a gatekeeper because, like I said, it does it does tie into, you know, I just think of all these people that, you know, are you know, they have a really problem with the changing of language. I won't get into it because I don't want to get political. But you know, there's a lot of people that hold this. Oh, why do we say this now? Because you know, because you can't say that anymore. That's how things go. All right, you know, it's just things change, and I, I don't want to feel like that about the music. But it's just I, I, that ambient. Oh, ooh, new ambient music. I listen. Oh my God, there's nothing ambient about this whatsoever. In fact, it gave me a headache. But um, yeah, um, but I am trying to with this. With this, I'm trying to put a little bit more emotion in music. One of the things I'm, I wouldn't say I'm struggling with now, is. You know, I like a lot of music that does have, like, the arpeggios and the, uh, you know, some of the old Berlin school stuff. It'll have some nice washes. And then, because that, what I've liked about this kind of music is, you know, that the, the whatever the brain chemicals that triggers in me to get me into that transcendent place. But I also like arpeggios. You know, those, you know, just as long as they're not beating you over the head. Um, I think one of the uh, songs I brought on there, Transponder, uh, what is it? Uh, yeah, Transponder. I think they're out of California. It's this duo. And they really have a nice balance of mixing the ambient in with uh, with the arpeggios. Like in a way that doesn't beat you over the head. So, I love music that has ambient qualities to it, but also brings other things into right, it. Right, and that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out how to do that in a logical procession, because I don't want to like... You know, I'm just trying to establish myself right now as an artist. And the first, I have, a, I definitely have a sound so far. You know, the two albums. And I'm not somebody like Steve Roach with a 50-year career, a 40-year career, who can do, you know, an ambient album and sequence of music and da 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 And I don't want to just all of a sudden, 
come out with some, you know, banger or, you know, or something, you know. So I'm trying to think of, I want to go, the next album, I want to just have a little bit, a little bit more motion in it. And I've been listening to this stuff a lot when I go on my, 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 uh, my skis and my bike rides and stuff like that because it, oh yeah, it just it starts off very ambient, but then these guys, they, they just start to bring in the arpeggios. And then they'll also, what's kind of cool about some of their stuff is they will, uh, they'll use like, they, they will like improv, like almost like soloing over it. And they still manage to make it work somehow. Like they have one, another song in this album and it has like, it almost sounds like a Hammond B3 or something. So you're hearing this ambient washes, these things, and then you're hearing just this sort of improvised solo over it. But the, the technique they use to use it, it doesn't, you know, it's not like you're listening to, you know, a jam or anything like that. See, then it comes in with the, Does that still sound ambient to you? There's an ambient... It, the, these things are coming... are emerging from the ambience. Right. So it's still in, in the ambient realm because there's still an ambience going on. Mm-hmm. And if, you, if you're like me, and perhaps like you, you're paying attention to all of it. Mm-hmm. So the ambient part is still mm-hmm. very much there. Well, I think there's still something about this... You know, and I don't know anything about the brain science behind this. I'm sure somebody out there does know. I've always wondered about, like, how... Because you look at how much music, no matter what culture we're in, or how much of it is based on a lot of... How rhythms resonate with people. And I think there's definitely some actual... There's there's something going on that, obviously, we know that from experiments and things about how rhythms affect our brains. It has to do with the way it affects our nervous system. Right, right. You know, we have a a sympathetic nervous system that uh, responds to outer stimuli. Right. And then there's the parasympathetic nervous system, which is... Our, re- our relaxed state, which mm-hmm. is something that's virtually non-existent in our culture mm-hmm. nowadays. And I find, and I think you do too, that this kind of music engages or activates our parasympathetic mm-hmm. so that we can relax, we can settle into a different kind of experience than the kind of experience we have in the outer world right. where, where we're being bombarded by, by outer stimuli that right. we're totally out of control of. This we have control of. We could choose what we want to listen to and we can we can adjust the volume to our own desire. When you listen to something like this, are you listen, do you listen to this as a whole or are you like, okay, I hear the pad in the background. Ooh, now I hear those nice little plucks. Now, do, you, do, you, do you break it down like that or you just kind of take in the whole... I take in the whole. I go for the entire... I like take it into my whole right, yeah, body yeah, yeah. and being, mm-hmm. and I see. For me, I'm going to use this term now that we materialistic. No, I'm gonna, the other one. <laughs> okay, it's kind of like a spiritual experience for me because I'm experiencing the whole thing on a on a on a, a more kind of complete embodied level. Mm-hmm. I'm not. It's like with rock and roll and songs. You know, you, your body's getting pumped up, right, right, and right, your, right. your mind is engaged in the lyrics. And if the you're blood's that pumping, type of and, yeah. Thing, this is almost the opposite. Almost the opposite. It I calms I you down. Not only does it calm you down, but it takes you into a completely different realm of experience. Mm-hmm. And I love this experience. I I've been I've been into this kind of music. Since the mid '70s, I think I was. In, I think I've been into this music really now since I was a fetus, and I just didn't know it. I don't know. Well, 
yeah, well, think about ambient music. No, in my th- well, in that is the ultimate womb. in the womb. I, yeah, because I know. Well, I mean, knowing my parents' taste in music, believe me, they weren't listening to ambient music. I mean, my parents are no, but anything filtering yeah. through. Oh yeah, I know your mother's you body right. is going to have an ambient quality. Right, it's not going to sound crystal clear anyway. Right. So I mean, even who knows? Pat Boone could have sounded ambient. My parents aren't that unhip, but they were on the. Uh, more on the unhip side of the 60s, which I, the, the, the marker for the 60s with me is basically when the Beatles started smoking pot. <laughs> all right. And, and then, all right. No, I'm, I'm just, I, I, when I think of like, when I look at all these other musics and stuff like that, at least in terms of pop and rock, I always think there's always, it's always around the time the Beatles, around Rubber Soul, you know, help that, that's when. And it really came out with Sgt. Pepper. Right, right. But I just think of like, because you. Which, Actually, that, that was when they, that's when they graduated to LSD. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because I think of like how strange it could be, because you still hear music from that era. Like you'd hear a song in 1965, and I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but it still sounds like it could have been rock and roll from like 1958 or Duke of Earl yeah. or something like that. And it's, it's well, funny. Well, Hard Day's Night and. Well, that, that to me doesn't sound. Like the old stuff, I just or I, I try to think of like maybe in more in terms of pop music. I, there's always this music I think about. Sometimes I joke about my wife all the time. It's called like I don't know, square pop or square, it was like music like Jay and the Americans and things like that. Like you know things that, songs that would come out in the late '60s but still sounded like something your grandpa would listen to in Vegas and it was playing on pop radio. You know, young girl, get out of my. Life. I mean, that, that, it's just like oh god, it's like hey, grandpa's hip today. That was good. I I can hear it. you. You. You, you have I, a can, I, can, I can be in a Jay and the Americans tribute band. Yeah, I can go I out and play so. casinos and cruise ships and yeah, stuff like that. I think so. Oh boy, um, you've got a future ahead. Oh, you? <laughs> no, I, it, you know it's funny too because you know yeah your voice sounds different versus when you listen to it and you record it. I still I, when I go back and listen to my voice, I still sound like I'm in puberty. <laughs> I, it, 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 I know I probably don't sound that way, but it's just like I do. <laughs> Rebecca, do you want to go to the prom today? You know, it's just, it's, it's pretty bad. How did we get off on that tangent? We were getting all deep there with ambience and stuff, and we just started talking about Jay and the Americans. That's terrible. See, that's the nature of ambience. I, I guess. So yeah, that was a, that was a transponder. They've got about five or six albums out, and uh, I'm enjoying the hell out of their music lately. It's, it's, it's just, it's all in that vein. It doesn't beat you over the head. Um, so that's why I'm kind of want to go with my music, a little more of that in there. But the thing that's also really holding me back is even though I'm a bass player, you know, and I played a lot of rhythmically heavy, you know, jazz, funk, is I cannot program drums or rhythms to save my life. I mean, I, it's terrible, and I really would love to incorporate rhythms into my music, but I just... You need to apprentice with a drummer. I, I, you know, I, I, Lord knows, I mean, I play with some of the best drummers in the state. And I, I mean, I, apprentice. I, apprentice. Actually or, or, sit down with them and spend spend or, a few sessions with them saying, teach me, I'm an idiot, teach or, me. Or, actually, well, it's not, it's, not, it, it's not the conception I don't know what's going on. And I probably would actually, if I was going to apprentice somebody, I'd probably be more a beat maker than a drummer. Cause, but it's a feeling thing. Because if you're a bass player, uh, it, there's a different kind of f- embodied feeling quality uh, than a drummer. Like a drummer, drummers have this, they're, they're all into the beat. Right. Their whole well, maybe I shouldn't have said that because when I when I look at the context of this music, I mean I I think minimally. I mean you know just coming up with some interesting hi hat patterns that come. And sometimes I listen and I try to figure it out like I'll listen to some of these things like like we just listened to and then they're very subtle about it. You'll just hear it every you know. You know and I, 
I, I, I, for some reason, have a hard time even doing that, and I, and I, and I don't know why. I, I don't know what it is, and it drives me nuts because I, I feel like that's my next impediment. Your show is like a musical therapy session for me because I talk about all my <laughs> musical insecurities and things I can't do. Last I'll, time, I'll send you my bill. Send you my bill. <laughs> I'm gonna check with my wife and see if my health care covers this. Um, so that's kind of where I want to go next. I'd like to just put a little bit more emotion in the music. Uh, but like I said, I think I have some other. I, I, I the stuff I've been working on now does seem to have that. I'm going a little bit, bringing in the arpeggios and stuff. But I'm doing it in a way that's kind of cool. Like I'm bringing in the arpeggios and stuff. Then I'll bring them back out and bring in my little weird things that come in and out and stuff. And then to bring them back in. What I'm finding what's interesting about doing this, I just finished some. What's what's the piece I call? I'm, um, uh, oh synthesizer. Now, um, I'm doing a. a you got to take that. Oh, he's putting on hold. No. Um, You're on the air. Oh, I'm on the air. Welcome. Oh, oh okay. Hello? Ooh, this is ambience. It is. It's like white noise. Yeah, we, ha- we have a, a local ambient musician Somebody just called us. in and decided to bl- blast some pink, put some pink noise or something in the air. Uh, yeah, thank you. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> we get the most unusual callers when you're on the air. Um... Maybe the next person will call and just be playing an arpeggio over and over or something like that. Um, no, where's I going with that? I got distracted again. Uh, yeah, so I'm just trying to get a little more motion. I got this piece I'm working on now. It's about it's about 14 minutes. I'm also trying to get the length thing better because a lot of this music really works better when it's long. Yeah. And I think I, I think the longest piece I've ever written is on is the one Medulla Ephemerata. Um, but I got this one I'm calling it's called Troglomorph. Do you know what a Troglomorph is? Have you heard that term? I have, but it was a long time ago. Okay, it's so I started off this piece and for some reason I was thinking of a cave. And it almost I was just picturing in my head I didn't bring the piece because it's not finished, but uh and I just pictured like if you'd walked into this cave and you maybe just saw this like light or something radiating from down in the cave. So I started to do these textures and stuff like that, and then I'm like, ooh, I went through some field recordings I had and uh, I found a bunch of water dripping and so the water dripping goes through the whole track and uh, it's that same thing it brings in it brings in the little arpeggios in and out but a troglomorph to tie it into the cave thing troglomorphism is basically the ability or the adaptation that animals make living in a completely light free environment cave fish you know the blind lizards, all that. That's that's what a troglomorph is, and, and I, they they're often bioluminescent. Sometimes, sometimes they're bioluminescent. No, but so, no, actually, troglomorphs a lot of times aren't. And I'm, and I'm not. I'm not, I'm not. I don't think a troglomorph is something like uh, you know the anglerfish or something like that. I think it's things that live like in caves and stuff like that. But like you know, fish that don't have eyes, things like that. So as, as soon as I started doing that, and I started doing the dripping thing. I just have such a good time sitting down with this piece, and I just pictured like just you know just sitting in a cave. Looking at looking at fish and looking at things like that. I do love caves. I'm not a caver. I'm not a spelunker because it scares the hell out of me. But I, I do love being... I mean, I was the kind of kid, like, like, you know, if there was a cardboard box, you know, some people would make a race car, a space shit out. I'd just close myself in the box and sit in the box because I just like the... I'm like reverse claustrophobic or something like that. Really? No, I'm not reverse claustrophobic. <laughs> I, I, do like, I do like the coziness of enclosed spaces sometimes. Mm-hmm. What's this I hear in the background? You're fading in there. Are you fading something in there? What do you think? Is it one of my pieces? <laughs> yes, it is. It is. Oh, this is. This is the part where stump the artist. Which one of your pieces is this? What's my line? What's my line? What is this? <laughs> this is. Oh my god. This is Madonna from Marta, isn't it? Okay, good. 
I would feel like an idiot if I didn't know the name of my own song. Is, is this is this Freebird or Stairway to Heaven? I'm not sure. Um, I'm do a little ephemerata to talk about the song names again. Uh, I, I think I was, you know, it just rolled off the tongue. So, you know, medulla oblongata, you know, the, the body part. And I thought, well, I a funny story here. I, for the longest time, I misunderstood what the word ephemeral meant. I just, for some reason, I don't know why I never learned what it meant, but I always thought ephemeral meant like, uh, I don't know, like like abstract or, or just like misty or something like that. But as you know, ephemeral is just something that's you know quick and temporary. It doesn't last, basically. I, I, I'm hoping I have the definition right now, and so. But it could have a bit of that other quality. I, uh, yeah, in it because it, ephemeral doesn't mean that it's snap here and gone. No, but I mean it could it could fade in and out. Right, but it doesn't. It it's out. not something lasting long right. and permanent. Right. And uh, it, yeah, see, it does kind of fit in with that. So as I as I finally learned what it meant, and I was like, oh, okay. Well, first of all, don't start referring to things like that as ephemeral, but this is ephemeral. And I thought of the, the brain and the foggy music, and I thought, well, medulla, medulla, medulla ephemerata. I like that. So that's why I came up with the name of this one. This was, uh, I, 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 able to bring this out to 14 minutes, it was, I'm getting, it, it, that's hard to do. And I don't know how these guys do it, except for the guys that hold down the keyboard for a half hour on the thing. Well, actually, I like, I actually like pieces that are like half hour long. I do too. I just, I, I just. But that, but that takes a commitment to being, to taking the journey with the wherever art. the music wants to go. Right, right. And it's, it's, and I'm working on that. Believe me, I am working on that. I mean, I, to me, I would just imagine while you're up in your attic, doing this stuff, that you're actually doing that most of the time. Right. My process is pretty it, interesting. Not yeah. that you're necessarily intending to record it and put it on an album in no. that form. But, like, well, like I mean, you, you're well aware, you've probably uh, heard a lot more Steve Roach concerts than I have, or, or his live performances, or his, right. his uh, streamed performances. Mm -hmm. He does that continually. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what he does Well, it's mostly. interesting, though, is, is I realize this, because I, I, I talked about this last time with you when I went and saw him down in New York City, the Ambient Church thing. And then I had listened to another live performance, I don't know, from the same year. And I heard a lot of similar themes. So it made me, th I don't think, I mean, I think there's an improvisational component to him, but he's still touching on many of his compositions that he's done over the years, structures from silence, things like that. It's impossible to forget. Right, right. It's one's just, past, they, in a I way. Know. And it's always, things are coming up, but they're coming spontaneously in the moment in response to whatever's well, going on. Well, it's kind of like this. I look at it as like, okay, um... I mean, to use an example, like one of his things, okay, in this particular tune, he, he had these sounds that he used. Well, you could just put those sounds together again and just put your hands on the keys. And because it's all, it's like, you know, painting with the same paint, you're going to get maybe some similarities in tone, but it's also going to be something completely new. Um, that's what I'm, oh, that's what I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out how to do, do this stuff live. And that's that's the next thing that scares the hell out of John, is, is figuring that out. That would be awesome. Well, I, I actually have a performance... I, I didn't know this actually. You know, I, I there's a Discord. You know, the, the the social media site Discord in Vermont, the Vermont Synth Society. I want to give them props in case any of them are listening. It's out of Burlington. They're having meet meetups and they're doing shows and stuff like that. Um, I haven't met any of them personally or gone to. It's they, they're leaning pretty heavy on the modular synthesis and stuff like that, which isn't even though I love that stuff, it's uh, not my thing because. It's complicated and scares me. And every time I try to learn it, I can't get anywhere with it. You know, with all the wires and 
stuff like that. Doing a lot of loops. Sometimes. I mean, the thing about modular, I think what a lot of people like about oh, I see what you mean, yeah. Yeah, you know the old school sense with the, the, yeah. the patch cords and stuff is they don't have presets. They don't generally have ways right. to save things. So whatever you create is literally ephemeral. It, it is the old school analog. Yeah, yeah. and uh, apart from understanding how to you do that stuff, I, I kind of... I like composition. And I, I don't mean... I mean, everything I do starts with a, an improvisation of sorts. But I kind of like being able to recreate something again. It's really hard to do that with modular. Plus, it's expensive. A modular is so expensive. I mean, just a small modular rack, you could easily, you know, free $4,000. It's amazing how expensive. I've seen these big... I mean, you know somebody's got $10,000 in their synthesizers. And oh, it, like, like if you look at... Like when Tangerine Dream, oh. like in their, their old concerts where they have these massive monoliths. Oh, back then, that was a hell of a lot more than that much. But, but even today, I mean, the people who are into modular, I've seen, I mean, most of the people I've seen in Burlington seem to have pretty small, modest setups. Mm -hmm. But, I, you know, some of the guys like Ian Body and these guys that are Steve Rowe, I mean, they, they use modular too. I mean, they have, you know, they have a rack with probably, I don't know, probably 30 different components in it. Um, but, uh, yeah, so... I'm trying to figure out how to take this live because I, I still, and I mentioned this last time, I think it needs a visual component to it. You know what would be really interesting, and I, th I thought of this. Town hall, playing field? No. no. I was thinking, bring some of your equipment into the studio. And do a and live performance Do here. it live on the air. I thought about that before. I th that's what I was thinking. I would actually love to have you come in on a show and do that. I could take care of this stuff mm -hmm. and you could Bring as much as you can bring I, I, in, right, yeah. and set it up, mm -hmm. and and you could just totally immerse yourself in that, and not even pay attention to what's going on mm -hmm. out here. You can still interview somebody over it if you want. And we could even you could talk whenever you felt mm -hmm. like it, but you would be initiating that. I'm turning the cutoff knob now, Antonio. Um, things like that. Or you, or you could say, "What do you think of this?" Yeah. Well, what, what does this, what does this make to, you feel? Yeah. Does this one make you want pizza? <laughs> uh, the uh, so I'm trying to figure out how to do that. I do have a show, and then get people calling in saying, "Oh, I just had a vision of blah blah." blah. I wish they would do that. I mean, they're not going to do that with me talking here, obviously. Well, hey, um, the phone number here is eight zero two. Four five four seven seven six two. If you would like to talk with us, my guest is J.D. Ryan. He's a local ambient musician. He's actually a bass player as well. But uh, we're some talking this, about some of the stuff you hear on this is actually done on bass. Yeah, with with modern technology. Well, I have a okay. massive, huge pedal board. Yeah. I just recently got a six-string fretless bass, which I love so much. It's so, mm, so nice. And uh, yeah, sometimes uh, like uh, in God's Green Hell. That one, that's all. That's all bass, actually. That's not even synthesizers. Hmm. Um, so we'll we'll be hearing yeah. that fairly soon. That's a funny. That song title for that one came up. I think. I think. God's green hell. In God's green hell. Okay, because I was. It sounds like something all deep. Ooh, it's just something about environmental devastation. I'm like, no. I think I found some weird thing in my room, like some old piece of food or something that I shouldn't be in my room and I think I yelled out what in God's green hell is this and as soon as I said that I wrote oh in God's green hell that sounds like maybe something Dorothy Parker would have said or something I don't know but uh, that's where the title for that one came from but about the live thing um, I do have a show before the pandemic in the back in the before times um, down at Bellows Falls they were doing these Saturday synth fest things and at the time I had a little duo going I went and played a few of those it was Interesting. I don't think I've ever been more nervous in my life as I was in that first gig. I mean, my leg was shaking like Elvis. I'm not kidding. And that's funny because I'm in a room with maybe 20 people, you know, and 
and to get nervous. I haven't gotten stage fright since I played the Flynn back at Jazz Fest 2002 or something. We opened up for John Schofield, and that was the last time I think I ever had stage fright, I think, because if you can manage to get through that intact, you, you probably shouldn't be afraid of anything. And I remember just sitting in that room, and I'm shaking, I'm nervous, I'm dry mouth, and there's like 25 people there. And it was so cool to do this because they did have a really good visual artist that was reacting to the music. And there was also a, a painter there that was making a painting over the whole course of the evening based on what he was hearing. So it would start, you could tell what the different artists would come on because as he's painting, okay, when he was listening to me, he's doing this. And when the next person came out with some chaotic noise thing or something, he would do something else in the painting. But it was so nerve-wracking just because, you know, as a bass player who's never led my own band playing bass, I've always been, you know, the bass player in the band. Um, it's easy to blend into the background. And people notice you're there, but nobody's really... They're focusing on the singer. They're focusing on the... Actually, a lot of time, a lot of people don't notice the bass player. I know, I know, I know. I'm just trying to pump myself up here like people <laughs> actually care about bass playing. Uh, but... No, but people... But that's an interesting thing, how, how we can not be aware of certain elements that are crucially crucial, crucial oh, elements. I mean, you can't have rock music without the bass. You can't have right. jazz. I mean, it, well, you right. can, but I mean, it's... No. So, you know... Used, you know, being used to that non anonymity or whatever, and then, and of course, when you're playing a bass line, it's still a creative expression. You know, I wrote the bass line on the original music, but it's it's not like something like this where it's like really coming from this deep, deep, deep place. You know, and so I think that's why I was so nervous. I just felt I, I felt like it was like that classic, like you know, that dream you have where you come into class and you look down and you realize you don't have any clothes on. You about you have to give your presentation. <laughs> you know, I have, I have. I've You've my, never had one of those naked I've had dreams? so many dreams where I am naked. Usually out, I'm on the streets of New York City. Oh, well, that's normal in New York City. You were probably in Greenwich Village, weren't you? <laughs> no, uh, actually, I'm like, not Greenwich Village, but like 6th Avenue. Uh -huh. <laughs> and there's not a lot of people, so I can't hide. In fact, there's very few people, but just enough to make me feel really uncomfortable. There's got to be some kind of arc. arc there's, there's, I mean, so many people have those. The naked dreams have to do that. I mean, that's, that's how it's just reflecting on vulnerability. So I, I remember the first ones I remember having was, I think I was the fifth. Hey, be careful. You might stray too far from your materialism. <laughs> I know, right? The fifth, fifth grade, I remember being on the bus, having a dream. I was on the bus going to school, and I was naked. And then once I realized it, I flew away. Wow. So that one really... Good instinct. I, I know, right? I mean, if you find yourself in naked public, just start flapping your arms and, you know, you can hide. But, uh, so I was really nervous, and then what was so strange about it was, um, when we were done, you know, I'm watching, you know, I'm watching people, and they're intently listening, as opposed to, like, you know, please dance, you know? And it was almost like, like, like an audience you see at like a classical musical concert like people are just you know really deep listening and concentrating and we got so much applause afterwards I couldn't believe it I was like wow people really they appreciated this so we had two of those synth fests that were also do a third then COVID hit remember COVID right? what? you remember what? yeah I know right? the, the flood washed it all yeah, away yeah the flood washed it all away I know uh, I wish but um we're no, also, seriously. The just flood has pretty much washed everything away. It has. It has. And not, not, not in a good way. No. I mean, it hasn't washed well, away the good... Well, maybe maybe there is a, a wee bit of a silver lining in there, considering that it washed COVID away, too. You know, the thing I think about the flood thing, and not to, not to get too much off this, is is we're going to have to have some really radically different things going on up here in terms of just even infrastructure. And I was thinking about like Montpelier, for example. Like, exactly. This is going to happen time and time again. Yeah. Your, your inventory is in your basement. I think we have to we have to build, we have to raise Montpelier up about five or six feet minimum. Like they did in Seattle, because Seattle was originally built. There's a tour you can do in Seattle called The Underground. 
And the buildings were actually all like about 20 feet deeper than they are. And people had these little streets and they would walk up the ladders and walk around the streets and then they'd go back down and stay in the buildings and stuff. But it's almost like with Montclair, I'm like, I mean, do we have to like, I don't know, put concrete in all the basements and then everybody needs to take a second floor, put their main business on the second floor and then your your bottom is a sitting room? You can't do that because we already have a housing crisis and everything like that. But it's just like... Well, you have temporary, temporary housing when there isn't a flood. Yeah, but we don't seem to be able to manage to do that when there's not a flood. That's well, the, that's the that, but that's a bigger societal problem. Yeah, I mean. exactly. But um, so we um, we didn't do the third one, but they are having. I guess they started the thing back up. I'm not really doing the duo anymore. So in February, I'm doing a set of solo stuff down in uh, Bellows Falls, and uh, I have no idea what I'm going to do. I'm I'm trying not to think about it until about two months beforehand. Will this guy please shut up? You're on the air. Welcome. Are you there? Yes. Good morning. Good morning. Who is this? This is Andrea Stefani. And I just heard that you talked about um, how to protect Montpelier possibly from future floods. (laughs) Okay. And I wanted to suggest that maybe we look at the Netherlands. They have been managing... Um, the oceans while living basically lower than the ocean yeah. in front of the doorstep yeah. by dams and the Rinuski could have dams on its side Yeah, and it could have floodgates over the street where one comes into Montpelier which one puts up only when it is about to flood Yeah, and let the harbors do in the Netherlands yeah I, th- I think people Engineers and planners are going to be thinking about all of these things. Mm. Yeah, that's much, that's much simpler than raising all of Montpelier, like Miami tried <laughs> to do. You know, yeah. yeah, it's not very feasible. No, no, no. I, I, that was one of my pipe dream thoughts. No, which, it's, it's, which it's, is completely ridiculous. Right. I mean, because we have old buildings that we're not going to tear them down, or you no. know, no, you can't no, just no. raise a building no, up, right? You, and and. And pour a ton of concrete underneath no, it. No, no, no. So what you're what you're saying is absolutely right. I mean, we're going to have to do we're going to have to do a, a lot of different things. Either that, or we're going to have to move Montpelier somewhere else, up on a hill. Up on a hill. I know, right? We'll just take, well, I'm, put it up on the National Life Building. We could fit everything up there, right? Exactly. Yeah. So thank you're you. You're welcome. Thank, thank you. you for your wonderful show. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Um, it's funny it was not to get to say on the flood thing but one of the pieces I've been working on I think I, I was writing something the night that that was all going down and uh, it just kind of came up like an ambient thing of like water rushing nonstop. Ooh, yeah. you know there's I don't it's not well I mean I'm not using water sounds but it was just you know, a tr- do you know you know Martin Bennett is this a local person or no no, no, he's, no, no, no. he's a musician who's no longer alive I definitely don't know him then. Um, yeah. He has a piece called Stream, mm-hmm. and it starts out with a stream, just a burbling brook, mm-hmm. and then it goes into this Irish kind of really very lively music, but he's a brilliant musician and composer mm-hmm. as well, so it's not just your typical run-of-the-mill Irish mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. And then it ends with about nine minutes of burbling brook. 
So, so it's another another form of ambient. I like using I like using field recordings as long as you use them. Uh, so it fades in and it fades out, and I I just love this piece, not just for the brook and the quality just of the, the way he puts in, it together, but the whole thing mm-hmm. is just a, an exquisite piece. That's part of the art of doing this is is changing these these transitions. One thing I've been working on a little bit is uh, when I use a field sound or something like that is using trickery and magic uh, to have that sound kind of morph into the synthesized sound. You know, you'll you hear the wind going or the burbling mm-hmm. brook, but then I start designing something that sounds a little bit like that, and then mm-hmm. you go, and next thing you know, you don't and hear So you don't... And so th- I think for me, what you... What I would want is for the listener to really not know what the hell's going on. Oh, I know, yeah. And yet the experience is so rich that, mm-hmm. that, uh, that you might want to know but at the same time you're just enjoying it so much that it doesn't mm-hmm. matter oh well, it's fine you know it, but you're hungering for what it is what is it what is it but you know it's, it's, it's funny you mentioned because i was thinking one of the themes i we talked about in our last interview and i still kind of you know i think we talked about like uh lyrical music and one of the things i said was how you know have the utmost respect for songwriting and lyrics and things and i love a lot of songs with lyrics is is I, 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 oh God! It's, it's. I don't want to say undue influence, but what I like about music like this is you can put your personality into it, but you don't. In other words, I could. Okay, I have a, a song on the on the first album called "The End of Before," and it was something I wrote the day that all the lockdowns hit, and I think it was the first time I went to Price Chop or something that day. And uh, do you need to make a station break? No, I'm going to oh. find that track. Oh, okay. It's on the first album. It's on Mostly Gray. I don't know if you have that. I do. There, and. You know, when I hear that, I still get that uneasy feeling um, of how I felt. Because that, that, that song, I mean, I went out and I remember dr- driving a Price Chopper. The sky was gray. There's like two cars on the road the entire time. I'm like, okay, this is, something has changed. Something has changed. And, uh, and I still think, that comes right back to me when I hear this. I'm probably out of all the things I've written, because a lot of things just come out of nowhere. And it's very rare that I'm actually writing with something in mind. And this was one of them. And uh, just, you know, going to the grocery store, everybody had masks on, and everybody looked fearful of each other. That that was the thing that really hit me, was just the... I've never gone to the grocery store and just looked... Not, not suspicion, but, you know, ever, nobody wanted to get too close. You could tell it, like, just everybody was scared. And uh, if, if nothing else, this will be the, the lasting thing from the pandemic for me, is I'll be able to listen to this one 30 years from now if I'm still alive, and it'll probably come back, like like day one but where I was going with that was if you didn't know that this could just sound like another ambient piece even though this is really a piece inspired by something horrible and world altering yeah and what you were talking about is is really a theme from a science fiction movie and we've been living in it mm-hmm. in a science I'm fiction movie I'm so tired movie. I'm so tired I mean I'm just tired I mean but you know when I think about that though is is because you know I, I went to my students and stuff like that I always hear you know, oh man this is the worst time to be living I'm like no no any time before now is really the worst time to be living in a lot of ways okay if you were you know go back 200 years you, you were lucky if you lived to be 45 or you know a, you know a toothache next thing you're dead because you have an infection in your head I mean so it's all relative but um, I'm trying to get more inspired by external things uh, you know in other words instead of me just sitting down and just putting my hands down on the keys or playing the bass and seeing what comes out like 
trying to have something in my mind, and it's it's very hard because my brain doesn't work that way. I went to um, I went to Chichen Itza in uh, January. Me and my wife went down to Mexico, and we saw a lot of my went to a lot of Mayan ruins. Went to Chichen Itza, went to uh, oh, what's the Ekbalam, which is one of the oldest ones. And I, you know, as I'm I'm just looking at you know and thinking about all the violence and all the stuff that went on there and just the culture and everything. And I was convinced, oh man, when I go home, I, I'm gonna just I think I'm gonna try to be inspired by this 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 Mayan stuff. And I thought not some kind of cheese, because I mean that's a cliche right there. Oh, you know, you know, white person doing the, you know, big tribute to the ancients, da 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 da. I didn't want to go down that route, but I got home and I couldn't get inspired by it at all. You know, it's 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 one thing to be in awe of something, but it's another thing to like translate that into music, and it does not come easily to me. It does not come easily to me at all. So I don't think my big Mayan epic is going to be, um, going to be in the works anywhere though. But I mean, I'll say this though: going to Mexico did reaffirm my my faith in humanity a little bit. Really? How so? Well, we went we went two places, oh, and it also destroyed my faith in humanity right afterwards. Um, we went to Valladolid, which is in the um, it's an old colonial town in. Uh, in the Yucatan, and uh, a lot of bad stuff happened there. I mean, this, th- there was a monastery that was there since the 1500s, the, the conversion, you know, all the horrible things the Spaniards did. I mean, a lot of it happened right there. But what I, what I noticed, we were right in the, we, were, we had a great place, little Airbnb, right in the middle of, right in the middle of like a playa, like in the, not playa, well, that's a beach, isn't it? Um, no, no, no. A playa is usually a central square. Oh, okay. All right. I'm, all right. That's what I think of. Is that what you meant? I think so, but that, I thought playa in Spanish means Beach. I'm not sure. I could be wrong. But or so. plaza. But I think that's what it means. It's, we were it's we were plaza. we were in the, in this and, yeah right in the middle of everything and it was we were down there for Christmas and I, I remember walking around. I, you know I'm, I'm an insomniac, so my wife would go to bed and then I I would just walk around this town. I mean I, the, there are more cops there. Then, I mean, you need to have a synthesizer hanging from your. Well, I, I, I did, I did, I did, I did, I did have a few things with me. So uh, while you're wandering in the streets, I just wander around like that. <laughs> have a big, have big speakers on. You know, yeah. Are you inspired yet? Uh, and just seeing walking ambience. I, I'm not a family guy, meaning I'm, I'm. I mean, I love my family. I, I'm not. You know, some people really cl- their families everything. They do everything with their family. I've just never. You know, okay, yes, because somebody's related to me. I mean, I've got Trumpers in my family that I try not to even associate with. The whole thing is, but just seeing down there, just watching human interactions from the locals, and I just kept saying to myself, like, "Wow, we're really missing something now. Something's something's gone." I think that, and I'm not trying to reminisce about the good old days that I never lived in, but I just I. It seems like the social bonds, at least where I was, I'm not going to say Valladolid is representative of all of Mexico, it's hardly, but just seeing, just seeing the bonds, the social bonds that people still have down there, it was really, it was awe-inspiring. I remember Christmas Eve is the big night down there, it's not Christmas Day, it's Christmas Eve, and I'm walking around these little villages, and I'm not kidding, one o'clock in the morning, they're still all out their tables, the grandma, you know. Five little kids running. One o'clock in the morning. They're still having their big festivals, their, their big feasts and stuff. And like, It was really inspiring. But then we spent the uh, second week in Tulum. Tulum is on the coast. The, what, do they call it? what do they call it? The uh, Mayan Riviera, you know, Cancun, that whole thing. And Tulum used to have this reputation as kind of an out-of-the-way, crunchy kind of. It's where if you wanted to go down to the Mayan Riviera and you were a hippie or whatever, this is where you went. But in the last few years, it's been commercialized all to hell. 
And uh, we stayed in the town at first, and the main strip is just disgusting. I mean, it's just like tourist stuff, dude bros, you know, obnoxious guys with khaki shorts and backwards ball caps yelling and drinking. Uh, and, but I still, I, I wandered, my wife got sick that week, so she was laid up in bed for three or four days. So I just went out and wandered the town. And uh, it was the same thing. There was a lot of poverty in this particular town. But it was just so, just, just again, that just watching the connections that people have with each other. Not the tourists the people and I was just I kept thinking well something's missing I don't know if something's missing in my life or just my society or something like that but then what destroyed my utter faith in humanity was we spent the last few days on some sort of resort type thing it was down there it was supposed to be like the more like new agey hippie resort or whatever like that and we show up and this is big thing and people are doing yoga under it and you know everybody looked white trim healthy my wife said that, wow, that's the same music I hear at the yoga place when I go in Plainfield, you know. And that, I don't know if I talked about it, the cult of the self was so apparent. Because it wasn't just the, the wellness thing. And I'm thinking about all the thousands of dollars these people spent to come here to make themselves better. You know, under the guise of maybe it's somehow making the world. No, it's not. You're focusing on yourself. You spent $5,000 to come down here and sit here and do yoga and listen to somebody. And... um it was Instagram hell. Okay, I'd never, you know, you know, I, I don't watch TV. I don't. I'm not a very online guy anymore. But you know, you see the 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 you know the, the Kardashian crap and all that. This was it personified. I'm seeing people. I saw, I watched this woman sit there for like five minutes, trying to pose her foot. So it looked like she was walking on the beach at the right angle. I mean, she sat there for five minutes, blocking the entrance, just trying to walk on her foot there. We went to, um, I mean, the silicone, the plastic surgery. I mean, people that look like they're too young to be getting, pla you know, seeing, you know, you know, 20-year-olds with lip injections and stuff like that. And it was just so, I was so angry. I decided that, that I had stayed there, you know, because I was just like, this was everything I just, all this great stuff that I just felt in my trip. I just, I'm like, and a lot of these people actually, surprisingly, weren't American. A lot of them were European. Uh, it was just so, it was See, a, There you're talking about the materialists. Well, those are, in the classical sense, the materialists. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was just, it was, it was, it was a horrible way to end a vacation because the first half was so good and just seeing, I mean... You know, I didn't know what a Brazilian butt lift really was until I saw one. It was, it was, I mean, it was grotesque. It was grotesque. And the thing that got me is the whole cult of the self and the vanity a thing. A Brazilian is, butt lift. Do you know what that is? I've never heard of such okay, a thing. Okay. Uh, this but, is, a, this but is considering FCC. that, that there's facelifts, I, I it, can it, imagine. It basically, if, if you took a butt and, and I don't know, lifted it. lifted it and made it, I don't know, four or five inches wider and then put a thong in the middle of it or something like that. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, and it was, I was just like, I felt like I was looking at people that like really mutilated themselves. And I'm not trying to be super, yeah, I am trying to be super judgy because I thought the stuff was terrible. Mm -hmm. uh, it was, it was just a, so I always joke with that, with that vacation. It's like, it, it, it was so life affirming and reaffirming in the first half. And then by this, this, the second half, I was like, oh God, I just want to go back and hide in my house in Vermont. This is so terrible. That's a complete vacation, right? That was yeah. a complete vacation. Yeah. Yeah. It was, that was. That was, that was just, I mean, just, I've never seen so many bad tattoos I mean, in my life. I mean, just imagine if your whole vacation had been absolutely wonderful and then you came back, you'd be so you know, bummed I, about being back. You know, I, I can never say I've ever been bummed to come back to Vermont. Ever, ever, ever. I've never been bummed to come back here, you know. Um, I was out, I've, I've become a gravel bike fanatic recently in the last year or so. And I'm going out for a race, actually, in Nebraska next month. And... 
me and my friend were riding, uh, riding. We went, oh, we went and we did like a 56 mile ride on Crassberry the other day. And I had to actually, to plan it out was kind of difficult because I had to uh, go look at all the road closure maps and then find some place we can go. But I remember just, weather was good. It was the first nice weather we've had in, I don't know how long. And I just remember just riding riding along, seeing the fields, seeing the big field. You know, you've seen them a billion times. The, the mountains in the back. Then you come down, there's a big old farmhouse there with a clothesline full of clothes. And I just stopped and I said to my friend, I was like, you know, I would not trade any of this for the world. As much as I'd love to go, I, I it was just, so I, no, I never, I never... I don't care how bad of a good a vacation. I ne- I'm never, I never come back to Vermont and feel like I'm, oh, you know. If I lived in Westchester County or something, I probably would. Or if I lived down in Fairfield County, Connecticut, or those god-awful places I used to live. For me, Vermont is vacation. So it I is. I don't need to go on a vacation. I know, I know. It's like, why do they call Maine vacation land? I think this is vacation land. Well, oh, you can vacation to Maine, too. I mean, Maine's, Maine's pretty nice. You don't go on vacations at all? Do you, not, you have no interest in travel? Not anymore. I know a couple of people like that up here. I'm, I'm not going to... Another Plainfielder, um, we, we go off a bike ride sometimes, and he just no desire to travel at all. I have I no... Just, I've, I traveled a lot. You In see, fact, when I was a kid, we moved around constantly. Mm-hmm. Were you a military kid? No. I mean, in the same neighborhood. We, we'd move from... That's one, not traveling. One apart, no, that's not traveling, but that's moving around. Mm-hmm. No, I've, I have... You know, I went back and forth between Vermont and the West Coast for... Like 20, 30 years, mm-hmm. just regularly going back and, back and forth. See, I haven't traveled that much, and that's part of it. I you lived know? in Spain for a year. Uh-huh. We went to Morocco. Um, that was my pre-pandemic trip that I had planned: Spain and Morocco. Really? Yeah. Never. It was good. We had a, we were going to do a camel safari out in the Sahara and everything, and all that went out. Thankfully, we didn't. We didn't make any reservations though. Safari. Speaking of safaris, this is WGDR Plainfield WGDH Hardwick Central Vermont Com- Community Radio. My guest is J.D. Ryan, local musician, bass player, and ambient composer and and recording artist and all-around weirdo, former GDR programmer. Yes. Did a show... Elements. Called the element. Elements. Right. Elements. Yeah. Yes, that was yeah. that was fun. It was uh, that was fun doing that because one day I'd like, okay, I'm going to do a, two hours of deep cuts of uh, obscure San Francisco funk, and then the, the next show I play like you know I don't know, th- three drone, three thirty minute drone tracks. Is or there something. anything that you brought that that would be fun to? Yes, actually, um, there's a there's a. Um, it's interesting when people can take ambient music and kind of put other genres in it and not have it suck. Mm-hmm. And there's a song in there, uh, what am I, Go- Gone West. Steve Roach did this. Oh, I love this. You've heard this? Oh, yeah. We talked about this years ago. Oh, really? You turned me on to this. Oh, this album, Dust to Dust, uh, what's it called? Dust to Dust, I think is the album? Steve Roach and Roger King. Yeah, this is this is actually one of my all-time favorite. Oh, I love this. I, I, I listened to it nonstop, and I forgot about it. And I was thinking, basically what this was, I don't know who, if this is the same Roger King who's a keyboardist that tours, but Steve Roach did this album with this guy who I think plays harmonica and acoustic guitar called Dust to Dust. And it basically takes Steve Roach's ambient vibe and then kind of evokes the you know what we would call the Old West. Yeah. And it does it masterfully. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I just love this. This this is a classic case of taking ambiance and injecting it with a sense of place. Yes, that's hard to do. Yeah, it, well, it's so, hard to do, not cliche wise. And I, I understand you're wanting to to do that with with uh, the Machu Picchu, right? Thing. Exactly, but not. But 
But how do you do that? How do you translate that? The Old West, yeah, it's tricky. Well, you talk about the, you know, if you get on the cultural... I mean, if you if you listen to New Age music, there's all kinds of New Age music with the title Machu Picchu or... Right, or and it doesn't sound like anything like, like Chichen Itza or whatever. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I, and, well, and it's funny because, you, you know, you think about the cultural appropriation thing. Yeah. And what's interesting about this is, all right, these are white Americans. They're not really culturally appropriating anything, first of all. Okay. Uh, in terms of this, I mean, this is, I mean, I've taught about the history of the American West, and a lot of it's just myth and BS, but, I mean, it is, you know. Yeah. But this really captures that vibe of what we conventionally know as the Old West, whereas, like you said, what would I do if a Chichen Itza thing? There's no point in calling it something about Chichen Itza if it doesn't evoke that, I guess, some way in the listener. I mean, but what would a, a typical Chichen Itza think? Oh, so I'm going to play some Mayan rhythms and put some chanting in the back. Okay, yeah, okay, no. <laughs> that's insulting. You know, I think that's insulting. Well, that's the definition of appropriation. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, that's a great... Yeah, when that harmonica comes in... And I don't even like harmonica, and I like it on this. Well, exactly. And there's another example of this. You're, I'm sure you, you're aware of that, that amazing piece from uh, the movie Once Upon a Time in the West. Oh, yeah, which, which one? Harmonica? Uh, Mammoth Harmonica? Yeah. Where? Isn't that oh, oh, that's oh, that's that's one of my favorite. That's me too. That is it's one of like my favorite. Blowing. Oh, that is so. That's, that whole soundtrack is great. I mean, it that, is. that's any more. The whole there. movie. The whole movie is amazing. That yeah. is like the unsung. That's a that's a that's a three and a half hour movie though. So if you're not at least somewhat versed in the slow pace of spaghetti westerns or Sergio Leone flicks, oh, but flicks, it's so rich. The I know. story is so rich. And plus, Henry Fonda plays a bad guy. You don't get to see that too often. <laughs> and a really a bad, bad guy. guy who kills children. Yes, and I know. And you get to see uh, um, Charles Bronson. Charles Bronson play. A kid, a young kid. Yeah, it was pretty young. A, a good guy. Oh, I mean, yeah, a good guy, a very quiet guy. Yeah. Oh, that 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 opening scene, where they're waiting at the station. Oh yeah, that's a master. I, in my film studies class, I'll teach that as a something in sound design because I think the first fifteen minutes of the movie, there's no dialogue. You just hear you hear the fly, the guy Jackie Lim's swatting away the fly, and then you hear the clinking of this, and then you hear the train coming in, and the the feet walking on the boards and everything like that. Oh man, but yeah, this uh. I mean that's that's a movie of ambiance. Oh yeah. Well, I mean there's a well. I mean, I don't know how familiar you are with Sergio Leone's style, but I mean that's always the pacing of his movies is yeah. glacial sometimes. Yeah. Because he imbibes a sense it's of place. Setting, it, it's setting things up fully. Right. And then then something happens. Right. Right. As opposed to something happening constantly. Right. Exactly. Um, well, it, it also evokes a sense of place, and that's what I was going to say with this is. Getting music to evoke a sense of place is a wonderful thing. And I think it's hard, like I said, because otherwise you're getting in cliches and, you know, oh, I'm going to do a, a trip about, you know, my, my trip to Mexico. I'm going to put some mariachi music in Miami and stuff. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's... I think you have to really pick an environment that you can really connect relate, with. Yeah, relate to. Like, Steve Roach did that with, um, what's... my? I think my other favorite album of his is um, Dreamtime Return. That's a great one. That's, That's one of his famous ones. That was yeah. his first really famous one, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It was like 18, 1989, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That was, the f that was actually the first CD that you ever bought? I ever bought. Really? It's a double CD. Oh, I know. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, the sense of play. And that's what I think Steve Roach does really well. Um, and why I find him so inspiring is um, there's one album I didn't bring because it's a long piece. And I, we might, did we play? I don't think we played any of it last time. It's one called Afterlight. And it's one of those 45-minute, just, it's a 45-minute track. And 
I remember listening. I was skiing one time. I, I skip and crash all the time. And I remember listening to it and seeing... It's one of those days, you know when the snow's starting to come in? It's not quite there yet. You see it in the distance. You see the dark clouds. You see the, you know, you see the snow coming down on some hill over here and then another one over there. And I saw that, and it just it, it made that click with the music to me. Like, this is what this scene sounds like, or rather, that's what this music looks like. And I think that was my turning point where I decided to really start doing this, because I'm like, okay, this makes sense to me. Like, trying to convey a sense of place in the music that could still mean something I sound like a pretentious ass now, but <laughs> the, you know they could still somebody could still find meaning and find their own sense of place. I might listen to the thing and think of the nice snowy mountains of Crassberry, and you might think of the Sahara Desert. You know what I'm saying? But I think that's what's great about this music. I think so too. It's exactly. like I don't have to tell you what you have to think about. You know, this song doesn't. You know, you don't have to think about me losing my girlfriend or whatever. You know, when you listen to the song. Mm-hmm. What else did I put on there? Yeah. Oh, okay. You've got dark magic. Well, that's scary. Yeah. I don't know if you want to listen. I, and then I, I, I was consumed by sunlight. That's another Steve Roach piece. That's another. That's one of his sequencer pieces. It's very hypnotic. Um, dark magic of loss. What, 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 what time do we go till? What time do we 10:30. have? Thirty. Okay. Dark magic of loss. For a while, uh, I was getting into. Uh, I think we talked about this last time, like William Bozinski and the disintegration tapes and the caretaker, you know, the the thing about Alzheimer's. And so I thought, what would it sound like of a person who's lived a long life, maybe they're 98 years old or something, and what would happen as their brain is shutting down? Mm -hmm. Just as their brain is shutting down. So I put together this weird sound collage, and I got, I found a couple of... Off the Internet Archive, some, you know, public domain of the, I don't know what you'd call it, the whatever the crooners were in the 20s or 30s. Oh, blah, blah, blah. So I got two of those. They just happened to line up the same tempo and key. I, I, that was not intended. And I kept bringing them in and out. But then I'm like, okay, well, this person's lived a long time through the 20th century. So then I, I grabbed some of uh, FDR's fireside chats. And then some other sound effects, like a ticking clock or just, you know, a person saying, like, I don't want to live without you. Or, you know, just things like that. And then as the... Uh, and I had, I had like an effect, a tape plug and a tape to this. So as the song progresses, I think it's like two and a half minutes. It's a harsh, it's not something you, have to, I mean, you want to clear a room, you put it on. But it's something as the as it progresses, the quality of it, the sonic quality starts to deteriorate. Even you'll hear like a gap. It sounds, and then by the end, it just, and that's, I just thought that was, I, I didn't pursue that. I had a couple of the pieces like that. I'm like, I don't think this is how I want to establish my career is doing this really weird revolution number nine type stuff here. Yeah, that could be a, a a one one blow shot to the heart. Yeah, I didn't want I didn't want to come out with that, and I'm like, you know, I like doing that, but that's not my, you know, I think it was more like an inspiration thing in the moment. But um, it's it's really hard these 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 opening days, uh, these opening, you know, when you're trying to establish yourself. I mean, I don't know what establish yourself means in this obscure genre that you know. Well, now you've you're a veteran. You've got two two albums. I now. guess. I guess. Um, I th- I, th- I think. Uh, you can pretty much do whatever you want. Man. I think I've made about twenty dollars in royalties so far. <laughs> it's funny you get on there, you check so, your things. So like, nowadays, oh, I made thirty cents today. So n- nowadays, how would people get a hold of your music? How could people purchase your music? Um, well, it's for hearing music. Well, it's I primarily go through Bandcamp because Bandcamp is so artist friendly. Okay, 
Um, I mean, I didn't. I, I I figured out when I got into this thing. I'm not doing it for the money. I want to be heard. You know, if I make a cup, so what? I bought a cup of coffee. Uh, Bandcamp is where the album is available. It is available for download on all the other things. You know, Apple. If you look me up on Apple Music, Spot. I mean, on all the major streamers and stuff like that. Um, and I finally have an actual website now because I didn't design it myself. It does not look like it was came out in 1996. Um, that's witherwillow.com, and I've got uh, links to the music there. Just a little bit about my story they said that anybody should care about my story uh i tell the funny story no i don't i don't tell the funny story about what i told you last time about how i got into ambient music remember that vaguely oh so stupid it's like my it's my reverse brian eno story because you know the brian eno story about the ambient music right no okay eno was getting really tired of doing the um the glam thing you know he's doing the glam rock thing he was really good at it and he got i think he got hit by a taxi and so he's laid up in bed um, I don't know if he's home or somebody's taking care of him. He's half out of it on painkillers. There's a rainstorm going on. And somebody put some music on for him, and it was a classical music harp concerto in stereo, but only one speaker was working, and it was too quiet. So as he's lying there in a semi-lucid state, he's hearing, he's hearing, you know, the mixture of all, the rain, the, the weird notes of the harp, and he's like, and I think he had this, like, why aren't people making music like this? And then I think that's when he went and did all this great stuff afterwards. But my reverse brain, you know, story is just, I told you the last time, it was like, it involves a bong hit. Um, I was working in a warehouse. Hey, whatever gets you there. Right, right. I was working in a warehouse uh, in my early oh, 20s. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. And once yeah. a week, I had to go out and help the people in the warehouse. I was usually working in the office, and so it was so tedious. And I, I wouldn't, you know, in the office, you work with numbers, so I wouldn't do anything before work. But on warehouse day, it was right before I went to work, you know, you know, just... I want to be able to get through this. So, that was not a good sound effect. That didn't sound like a bong, did it? No. That's, that's better. That's okay. Good, yeah. yeah. The other one sounded like indigestion. <laughs> but uh, and so I, um, I'm out there putting away fenders or whatever's an auto parts warehouse, and I big warehouse. You know, you know things. You know how things in a warehouse they reverberate, and I'm hearing this just this strange ass sound. So I followed all the way down to the end of the warehouse, and somebody had a little boombox on it, and they were playing Hearts of Space. And I didn't even know that kind of music existed. And uh, that kind of just made me aware of it. And even though I didn't really do anything about it for a few years, that's where it kind of really got the spark going. It's not really as profound as Brian Eno's story, but it's all I got. <laughs> no, that's, that's whatever uh, it is. Yeah, whatever, whatever works. Whatever, whatever works. Whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't argue with reality. No, you're right. You're right. You can't. I mean, you can, but it doesn't. doesn't reality work doesn't well. care. Exactly. It, 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 and yeah. it's like. Arguing with a brick wall, only much thicker. No, the brick wall doesn't care either. <laughs> exactly. So, um, now it's interesting. There is one song on there, on the album. I was going to play the title song. Yeah, because that's totally very. I think that's totally somewhat different than the rest of the album. And while I'm starting this up, just talk about the picture on the cover of the album. That is actually back when. Um, when the AI image generators first started coming out. And I was always messing around with those things, just trying to think of, you know, things. And I think I just put in something like a long, dark tunnel with some red light at the end. And it gave you a bunch of pictures. And I saw that one, and this was a year ago. And I'm like, I don't care what the album's called. That is my next album cover. And, uh, so yeah, so I did unfortunately create that myself. I wrote the prompt for it, but that was in one of those AI-generated things. But that's... And it kind of fits with the music. See no sky. I mean, you're down this red little tunnel. Yeah, I don't know where I was. This one, 
This is synthesized birds. Little, yeah. Yeah, little those aren't real bubbly. birds. Yeah, your music is definitely evolving. That's I'm, I'm curious to hear where you go. I mean, I can imagine that you're, you're going to... Oh, I, next I, one's going to be a total death metal album, dude. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing is I want the evolution. I don't want, I don't want to just put out, you know, five... You don't want to just press that same key yeah, every I, I have time. never done that on any of these <laughs> albums. I actually I had intention and, 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 and forethought when I was creating my sounds. Um, this one I was really happy with, though, because it, it, even tonally, it's like an organ. I don't usually play organ type sounds and it's organs just dredged in endless reverb thing I paid a little more attention to on this one was uh, three-dimensional space like I didn't want you know I, I think this music is not necessarily designed to be listened to in headphones although it does sound really good in headphones is I want it to feel three-dimensional you know and you know when you typically mix music a lot of times especially conventionally rock you know you mix typically the conventionally rock music you know you put the bass here the bass goes over here the kick drums them you know and I wanted to feel like the sounds were coming from different places, like I'd bring in a swell in from the left, or like the birds, that you do little synthesized birds. Oh, well, when you hear birds, they don't just sit there and go tweet, tweet, tweet. They're, they're flying. They usually go from over here to over here. So I had these really cool 3D spatial tools. So, so you, are you using binaural? I didn't do the bin. I didn't do. I didn't do a binaural thing. But it's similar. It's similar to that. And so I would. I would. It would show like a 3D space, like a globe on this little plug-in on the screen. So you hear the birds there. So after I record everything, I'd go back and sit there with like a little joystick and like, you know, move it across the thing. But not only that, what's cool about some of the 3D technology now is it. I don't. Know, don't. I can't explain this, but it doesn't just go left to right. Right. It almost gives you the. The impression around. of going around your yeah. head and behind you, and when you look at the, when you look on the computer and you see what it's doing, you can pull it. It shows your head, so it is sort of like a binaural. It shows your head, and so instead of just having the birds go from left to right, you have the birds go out in front of you and then come around behind you. After I graduated from high school, me and my up here, me and one of my friends, we went down to New York City, spent the summer down there, and a friend of his start, had started a new recording studio in Soho mm -hmm. and we used, he had the key so we would go in the middle of the night and we would listen we'd put on you know 16 track tapes those 2 inch tapes right oh yeah two and we would listen to them we would remix them of what other people's stuff other people's stuff and they had a joystick they had floating speakers oh, in the ceiling and when was this was this the 80s or 90s 75 75 75 and there were speakers floating in the ceiling and we had a joystick so we could actually right. listen this to the music. This was 1975? 1975. This was state of the art at the this time. This wasn't quadraphonic though. This was something else. 
Well, I don't even know what quadraphonic, quadraphonic was. You saw it in the '60s. It was like you see these albums would they'd have a quad mix. I know the Doors did it. Montavani did it, and it would basically they had these special stereos that yeah, were four right. speaker stereos right. two in front. Yeah, know. I've heard of that. I right. just didn't know for sure what this was. This was like beyond. I mean, I don't know what it. Was. What makes you wonder? Something like that. How would how would how would that translate to a record? Because no, no, nobody nobody had the nobody no, had no, the no. listening technology no, to listen to that. But in the studio, in the studio, we you had, could do it. We, right. had, we had any kind of surround sound you wanted to create mm -hmm. in the moment because we had a joystick. We literally mm -hmm. had a joystick that could move the sound around in the speakers above us, and we were in this tiny room, and the sound quality was was just crystal. I just wonder if the practical application for that 1975 because nobody had any nobody had any home equipment they could listen to that. I wonder if something like that was possibly. No, it couldn't be. I mean, yes, you could record it, but the thing is, you wouldn't hear it the same well, way we heard it. There could have been some places, like some sound installations and museums and stuff, that could have the technology for something like that. But, but still, but 1975. Not home, that's oh, not at home. No, no, no. no but that's yeah. That's so. I mean, I, it's and of course we were doing our bong hits too. Oh, that helps. That helps. That you, helps you, so well, much. <laughs> well, this sounds three dimensional, dude. There's only two speakers. Um, um, and we're watching the oscilloscope too. There you go. Oh, turning out the lights and yeah. the. Um, uh, so yeah, I've been trying to I've been trying to work on more on getting the spatial thing down. I'll tell you what was interesting about all right. The first album was that was that was I don't know five or six years worth of music. I went back through what I'd done in my little journey when I got serious and tried to pick the best stuff. Everything on this album was created in the last eight months, and that that, that felt like a big breakthrough for me. You and know, that's I, slow by Steve Roach standards. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm part. Of, I'm Bandcamp. I get the Steve Roach exclusive subscribers club, so he gives you a, a few extra releases every month. You know, right? Every month. Yeah, every month and getting something new. And you know, there'll be an album that's coming out later, something that never gets released, and just you know, oh, I found this one under my garbage can in the uh, in the studio there. No, but um, yeah, I'm trying to. I, I'd like to get it so I can get something out every nine months. And what usually happens, and the reason it's so slow, well, now I'm learning how to do this, is winter is when I do most of my work. And I have been determined to, you know, and as summer gets here, you know, summer, you're doing stuff. I've been determined to not stop. And so I've been, I'm still spending three or four nights in the studio, um, even, well, not lately because of this heat, but generally. Oh, yeah, I'm, yeah. Attic. Oh, oh I, I'm not, in, it's a second floor. So I go up there and it's just like, you know, I'm well, nobody has air conditioning, but I, I, I go up there and it's just like, I, I, this isn't conducive to, you know, I can't do this music with a big fan blowing in right. my ear. Um, <laughs> Although, Fan, that's ambient music. That is ambient, but that's not very interesting ambient music. No. <laughs> that's fan, the fan being genre. I'm not really into that. Thank you. Um, but, but, you know, with climate change, it's it's going to become I, the new rage. I know. Wow, man, this music's cooling me off. Um, do you get that new air conditioner album? Um, but, oh, come on, it's not that funny. <laughs> this is like the ambient dad jokes here or something. Hey, we um, gotta we gotta we gotta take every opportunity to laugh at anything. I know, we can. I know nowadays, especially. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm hoping that. I'm hoping to get the process a little, um, and I got, you know, it's easier also because I got the promo process down a little bit better. I've been pretty much found every ambient blog and podcast I can in the universe, and I send something to them. I'm still waiting to hear back from Soma FM if they're going to take this album. I know they've listened to it, but um, I got an, I had an interview the other day. Some, they should definitely take this one. I hope so. I like it better than the first one. Yeah. Um, it's hard to get on Soma. I really, it's really hard to get on. So I know they just listened to it. So I'm still hoping to hear from something because I want to be up in that chart with Steve Roach and Robert Roach, you know. But um, yeah, the process. I let me see. I've I know I just got played on some the, Australia's oldest ambient show, the Ultima Thule. Uh, broadcast it's been an ambient show in australia since 1989 i know they just featured me on there uh i did a couple other i'm on a couple of so it's 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 kind of cool my music it's getting out there i mean 
what is success? Success is, you know, more people liked it with this one than the last one, and more people heard it, and more people shared it, and it's 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 a, it's a lot easier when you have no desire. Well, I don't say desire, but any preconceptions about finances. Yeah. I've had talks with some other people I know and about releasing their music, and oh well, where do you? Sell? I'm like, you don't sell anything anywhere because everything's free now. Right. You know, <laughs> I mean. If you feel good about it, that's that's, that's all that matters. If I if I made well, if I was able to connect with somebody else that I don't know, I mean, it's something I get in my stats. Oh wow, somebody in Germany listened to my stuff last night. That's cool. Somebody in New South Wales listened to my music the other day. I'm like, great, that's awesome. That wouldn't happen 20 years ago. 20 years ago, I'd be in a rock band trying to get a, rock, a record deal because that still mattered back then. Right. Yeah, you know, just basically, I mean, you're in a bunch of debt. That's all it meant. But. <laughs> <laughs> Ever the realist here. I've always said a realist is somebody whose cynicism is tempered by their idealism, and their idealism is tempered by their cynicism, and that's what I try to do. Does that make sense? Or is that nonsense? That sounds like life. I think a lot of people don't realize that, though. Because mm. they go But one, that's what we're doing all the time. But, they go, but people go one way or the other, and they just stick with it. And that's just not a very good way or to live. Or they think they do. You think they, they think they do? Yeah. They don't realize that all these different dynamics going on are the actual ambient dynamic forces that are actually moving us. Do you think you lean one way or the other? Um, it depends on the moment. It's hard, to, it's hard not to be cynical in these times. It depends on the moment. Some moments I am extremely cynical. Some moments I am extremely optimistic and, and feeling great about everything. Well, not everything. Mm -hmm. but <laughs> mm -hmm. I knew you. <laughs> well, you know, it's, and that's the, the struggle with these, these tumultuous times is like, you know, when your own life is personally good, but there's so much bad things going on, trying to find that balance of like, you know, I'm going out, it's a beautiful day skiing or biking, and meanwhile there's, you know, somebody, you know, around the corner is going hungry, you know, and it's just like, where's that balance of, I, I still struggle with that, you know what I'm saying? Because like my own personal life is pretty good, but I also realize that uh, uh, there's not a lot of good going on for a lot of people. And it's just always trying to find that like, Enjoy your life, because you're lucky to be able to enjoy your life. But, but, you know. And we're, we're not going to be here forever. No. In fact, our lives are kind of blips. Kind of. Kind of. Kind of. Kind of. Jeez. Jeez, is right. This, this is, let me guess, is this out of nowhere? Yeah. And this is the final track. It's the final track. And this will take us to the end. Here's a little bit of uh, trivia. That sound in the background there? What that is, is basically I'm, I create a very busy arpeggio on a synthesizer. I mean, do, 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 do. I mean, bunch so of like notes. So it's like a, when a wheel is spinning yeah. so fast well, that... No, 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 no. What I do is, it, 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 that sound, that raw sound is something like... Some really frantic. But then I have these this reverb pedal, the black hole, it's called. And I put it through that, and it just makes that smear. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like when you watch a wheel spinning right. so fast, and all of a sudden it's like... Yeah, because that's a very busy sound, but the reverb makes it sound, and that is the exact same sound that is on the opening track of the album, mm. except at a different tempo. And I have, I came up with a line, standing still as fast as I can. Mm -hmm. That's the name of my next album. I'm glad you mentioned that, actually. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're Ro welcome to take it Royalties. Yeah, I'll, I'll take my, my 5%. I'll give, you, I'll give you two cents. Oh, it's so funny. You look at these stats, and you see, like, oh, wow, I got played... You know, 82 times on Spotify last month. How much did I make? Oh, I made three cents. Cool. <laughs> it's criminal. It really is. It's criminal. But at least you don't have some record producer. Yeah, oh, we need another hit. We need another hit here. Come on. Come on. 
when's your next free bird? Come on. No, you know, it's just, yeah. I, I like the independent nature of things. It's, you know, I do what I want and I hope people like it. So we've got like four minutes. Is there anything else you'd like to discuss in those four minutes? That's my invitation to you. What? Oh. Uh, I just want to thank those who have listened. If you've, you've put up with me this much, uh, you'd probably love my music. Um, no, I'm just uh, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad. To, I hope. Uh, I hope uh, somebody out there hears it. I'm, I'm still trying to find some people to collaborate with too. Actually, I have. In thought, what way? Just a musical collaboration. You know what I have thought about, and there's a person local who I won't name right now because I haven't talked to him about it. But he's like a he's like a beat maker, and I thought about taking my first two albums. Giving them to him and oh, having remixing and make make like a, a you know lo-fi hip not like a chill hot some kind of chill take my textures and stuff put some minimal beats on it and then well I think this album would really lend itself right, to that right you know and, and just you know and I wouldn't I'd, I'd want something still in the same vibe I wouldn't want like a banger whatever the term is uh, but I thought that that might be something I might do in the next year is take take some tracks from these albums and see if I can give them to some competent person and maybe mix them and make some groove-oriented stuff because, you know, godless knows I'm not going to be able to do it. But, uh, and then I'm hoping to have a, um, I'm hoping to have a, an album out maybe before my show in February down in Bellows Falls there. Um, and if anybody is interested, it's uh, witherwillow.com W-I-T-H-E-R W-I-L-L-O-W.com and you get links to the music and uh, witherwillow Yes, like a withering willow, basically. Mm-hmm. It sounds very new agey, but I just it stuck it with me. I know, I know, I hate it. it. I, hate, I just, I, it was actually a Dungeons and Dragons character I had when okay. I was like nine, and I just, I like the way it rolls off the tongue, but yeah, it does sound kind of new agey. <laughs> Wither willow. So we've got two minutes. Oh, is well, is gonna... that enough to to describe what it's like? actually producing this music like when you're in your your studio sometimes it's 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 magical and sometimes it's frustrating you know it, it's you know or so what have you got you've got equipment I've got, you've got knobs I've you've got, got I've got pedals. about five or six synthesizers I've got a bass with a big pedal board and I've got also synthesizers built into the computer and my process usually at first just go up turn on something hit a random sound see if I like it oh I like it I'll go with that I lay a bass down for it, and then the next time I come back and I start putting little things in here, putting little things in here, I'll put something in there, it doesn't work. I put something in there, it's like, all of a sudden, it's like, yeah. Um, so that's the pro- it's, it's, to the extent that it's a process, it's a process. I'm still figuring out. I just want to be able to, like I said, produce more and not have, you know, five years between albums or anything. Well, I mean, this was, this was, actually, this got released a year and a week, I think, after the last one did. And I want to, like I said, I'd like to see if I can get something out maybe in February. So my guest has been J.D. Ryan. He's a local musician, a.k.a. Thorny. Yeah. His new album is Sino Sky. You can find it on bandcamp.com. And, hey, this has been great. It has been great. I always, always, always a blast to come here. Yeah, I always enjoy... I enjoyed coming in on your show many years ago, and you're, it sounds like you're actually considering coming back and doing a show. Possibly. i got to think about it. We can fit it with him at the scheduling and stuff. And for those of you who still have flood-related challenges, check out the WGDR.org website. There's 
a long list of resources available from FEMA to state and local agencies. Check it out if you want to do some volunteering. There are definitely lots of opportunities in Montpelier. No shortage. Barry, too. Barry's... In Montpelier, you can park behind City Hall. And uh, good luck out there. And see you next week.